All right, that was uh, Chastity Belt with um, Different Now from their forthcoming album, I Used to Spend So Much Time Alone, which uh, unfortunately won't come out till June, which is uh, stupid. But I'm excited for that one. This sounds like a mature uh, band at work. Yes, absolutely. So, Joe, uh, one thing um, I wanted to uh, apologize to you uh, and the listener Uh-oh. for is uh, um, a really gross thing I did last time by accident, oh, but God. gross nonetheless. Uh, I accidentally had the um, the bass fader on my vocal track turned up like 40% last week, <laughs> which wow. is just the most, uh, the cheapest, uh, most uh, uh, tawdry attempt, uh, way to uh, improve your masculinity on audio. Um, felt- now it's a little bit, Huh? I yeah. felt my T levels rising. <laughs> yeah, when I listened to it, I was like, "Ooh, uh, kind of this sounds good, but also that's that's um, bad. You can't do that." Um, now it is balanced out a little bit by uh, at least one, and I think two of the pre- previous podcasts. I accidentally had the treble turned way up, <laughs> um, which sounded awful, and I really hated that. Um, but. Uh, uh, in my view, um, mic placement is fair game to make yourself sound um, uh, more more uh, well endowed. But uh, uh, actually, um, in turning up uh, faders is is totally uh, over the line. I don't know. Are you trying to red pill, blue pill me with different different podcast <laughs> episodes? <laughs> Uh, you haven't ever noticed. So actually with the treble one, you said I sounded bad, um, which was true. Um, but, uh, uh, if I, if I am trying, it's not working that well. Certainly the rest of the world seems to be negging our podcast (laughs) by paying us uh, little to no attention unless we tweet about chastity belt. Yeah. That worked out pretty well for you. Um, that song is good, man. Mm Hmm. Um, it's totally, it seems totally random, uh, uh, which artists, um, turn out to have enthusiastic Twitter followings. Cause we got retweeted by, uh, by, uh, a podcast patron, cool AD one time. And I was like, oh, this is great. People are going to go nuts. Uh, we'll get a lot of shares and follows. And I think we got like three likes, but then chastity belts fans, they are on Twitter apparently. So good for them. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, it depends how much a particular uh, artist, uh, chief, stop barking. Uh, how much a particular artist retweets? Because I feel like Cool AD retweets a whole hork uh, Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Chief is uh, Chief is finally your first in-person guest, Joe, on the pod. Yes, he is retweeting something <laughs> incomprehensible that the moon told him. It's a full moon tonight. We're close I to see. it. <laughs> oh chief um <laughs> maybe with us always chief uh paul it's okay i did notice i said i thought our voices sounded good in the last episode yeah and now too i good. find that to be <laughs> a lie <laughs> a total lie um so we're back I, I carefully checked this time everything is straight down the middle uh eq wise and um you'll just have to have to accept my um true levels of masculinity as the best you're going to get. I'm sorry. Okay. I think that is uh, that is going to be adequate for me and for <laughs> uh, all but our most insatiable listeners. Yes, yes, and you don't stop. Cool idea, best.
this rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the stop for you and your mind. Come on, yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast, <laughs> slightly above average at least. Nah, preference is relative. My references consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply. Little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery, elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower, see how dissolving the power is dissolving the hours as well. The tower, a bell at the top of it, a hawk, a pigeon, a dove, a vision of love, an eagle, a falcon, even the gold coin in the talent that was um, prophesied. Uh, welcome to Savage Beast. A podcast about music. I'm Joe Gallagher. Uh, with me, uh, wearing David Byrne's large suit, as always, it's Paul McLeod. Joe, I would never wear anything that baggy. I, uh, I'm uh, form-fitting all the way. Uh, it fits the form <laughs> of your soul. But think about and, and as my, my loose, flaccid soul. As David Byrne said, he wanted something to make his head look small, and that was the easiest uh... way to do it. That is ah. that is why he constructed. So just think about how thin and uh you know contoured your head would appear. <laughs> I wonder if with his uh slender frame uh he felt self-conscious about his head size. Maybe he did. No, actually he believed that uh music is understood by the body sometimes before the head and hmm. he wanted to emphasize that direct connection uh, that uh, skipped the higher processes of the mind. I know too much about the large suit. <laughs> well, I mean, he's entirely right. Uh, that is uh, uh, certainly the way music works for me anyway. Yes. Um, if, it's, if I don't feel it in my body, I'm probably not that into it. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, Talking Heads and uh, specifically the... Uh, the down mixes of their albums that have been around for a while, but you and I just found out about. Yes, bootleg down mixes of their 5.1 stereo or 5.1. What do you call that? 5.1 surround sound. Surround sound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mixed down into stereo. But first, first. I, uh, I, <laughs> I saw a show last night, um, which I went to because JSOM, whom we've discussed, was in it, and uh-huh. she's. It, uh, she introduced Jason as the band and herself as Melina. So um, I should, uh, I have definitely been referring to her as Jason, um, even though I knew that wasn't her real name. Um, so uh, uh, they were fun, but I didn't realize they were actually the opening band until like right before the show. Mm. Um, they were opening for the drums. Are you familiar with the drums, Jim? I've actually seen the drums a long time ago in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, is there a more uh, boring band name than the drums? Uh, there, I'm sure there is. Uh, maybe. Nope, I can't think of one. <laughs> it's pretty lame. Um, I guess if you called yourself guitars, that would be, or the guitars, that would be uh, even more basic rock. But anyway, uh, it was a fun show. Uh, Jason. Um, I guess I didn't fully appreciate this listening to their album that dropped yesterday or uh, uh, their previous, uh, uh, apparently turned into as a compilation of singles and not an album proper. But um, uh, I didn't notice uh, as much as I did live that um, the 
the guitarist guy pretty much shreds a guitar solo uh, every song. Um, really, really goes pretty nuts, more so than most indie rock guys do. Um, as far as just like, like here is a guitar solo where I play a bunch of notes really fast and really high, um, which was cool. And then also you had the fact that I've been to uh, a lot of hipster shows and I think her backing band or the, the, the non Molina parts of JSOM, uh, were by far the most hipster looking, uh, of any band I've ever seen. Paul, do you um, think that's their, you know, I know that she is ridiculously young i just read an interview with her um and do you think that's just because these 21 year olds from who are in rock bands from california are are just a level of hipster that we have not previously uh imagined like they're just they've they've just keep refining the aesthetic it wasn't so much that there was uh new ways of hipsterizing one's fashion that I hadn't seen before, but just that, uh, there were, besides her, who she looked, um, uh, cool and offbeat, but not like a hipster uniform. She had, you know, like a, a snow, uh, whatever you call that, uh, kind of, you know, wintry woolen hat thing on that one wears to go skiing. Um, but like they, I mean, the guitarist is a big dude in a sparkly, um, a silvery jacket with uh, the classic cop mustache that the hipsters have. Uh, have ah, uh, I see. Have appropriated. The drummer uh, had the sort of wild shock of hair with a baseball cap that looks like it belongs on a seven-year-old, uh, sort of uh, haphazardly perched on top of it. And the bassist had the um, incredibly ugly thrift store, really. Uh, baggy polyester short sleeve button up shirt uh thing going on that uh i was just impressed that you know so individually it's a hipster uh all three of them i was impressed that they sort of uh, gave us three classic but different styles of the hipster so um props mm. to them for that good you painted a uh very <laughs> uh a, a very firm picture of these thin hipster waifs in my head <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad you have a firm picture uh the you know they have a lot of slow songs that are um really good but um the crowd wasn't it was an opening band so the crowd wasn't like uh tuned in enough to uh really get into the emotion of those or whatever which is fine i don't really even blame them for that but um when they let loose and started uh started really going uh, a little bit harder and faster uh, that was pretty badass, uh, surprisingly so, because I don't really think of them as that kind of a band. Um, but yeah, I'm not and then the, that they get a little heavy. Yeah, uh, live. yeah. It was solid. You know, two guitars. Um, they can they can turn it up. And then the drums, whom I had never listened to, as far as I know, uh, were actually a really fun live band. Anyway, um, I don't know that there was anything so unique. I feel compelled to go seek it out, but. Uh, the lead singer dances around pretty uh, dramatically, and uh, it's sort of fun jump up and down indie rock type stuff, so uh, props to them. Um, the person I was there with, and I did agree that the lead guy, whose name is Jonathan Pierce, I think, has the worst rock star haircut we have ever seen. Um, it's like a bowl cut from the 90s uh, with... Uh, a really bad shave job around the ears. Um, so 
uh, don't do that, people. Paul, did you know one of the two original members uh, left the band for this album? Uh, he wanted to focus on his puppetry. <laughs> I don't know if that's a joke or not, but that's what he said. <laughs> I hope it's true. Uh, well, you know, um, what's her face uh, from... Um, what is her name? Meryl Garbus. Uh, she was a puppeteer before she became uh, uh, Tune Yards. So um, maybe maybe that works. According, I don't know. According to his Facebook, he is a... Uh, I mean, his Instagram, he is a puppeteer. Uh, I, okay. I thought it might be some... Uh, Ironic, uh, tongue-in-cheek Some Malkovich. Uh, yeah. Being John Malkovich shit. <laughs> well, it might be. It could be, um, yes. Someone <laughs> could be in control of him now. They chose a... Uh, a founding member of a relatively uh, middle of the road <laughs> indie rock band to take over the world through puppetry. See, see, then being John Malkovich, though, it is the puppeteer who takes over being John Malkovich. So well, that's what I mean. Like, that's why he quit the band because his mind uh, got taken over. No, no, but I'm saying if he's doing puppetry, he's taking over John Malkovich. Right, Whatever. but I'm saying that let's let's have an argument about a movie. No, from no, but hold on. Ago. No, no, I know that, but I I must prove this right. I'm saying that in this case, for some reason, the puppeteer instead of choosing John Malkovich has chosen uh, a random indie rocker to take over. Okay, and made him also a puppeteer. And though? made him a puppeteer. Okay, I that's guess the part. That John Malkovich me. wasn't available. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant um i was thinking maybe he became a puppeteer and took over me and uh led me to a the drums show um which was something i had never considered doing so um ah no okay yeah yes <laughs> yes well maybe yeah uh we won't get into that maybe we all are puppets of the i complete i can't even complete that sentence in a way that i would be satisfied with myself Let's just let's just have a drink and then go on to the talking heads. Okay, I will have a drink. Mm, delicious ah. water. I'm drinking cheap port from Trader Joe's. Joe, what are you drinking? I'm drinking water with ice. Oh, that's so responsible Portland's, of you, New Den. Portland's finest uh, water, uh, uh, lacking in fluoridation. Uh, very high in lead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what gives it that tang that we all crave. Um, Anytime you can move to a state with, uh, uh, you can move to a city which with no fluoride in the water and with the lowest rate of vaccinations for basically any for any state <laughs> in the country uh, to have, a, have child, a child, you yeah. do it. You do it. <laughs> do they not have fluoride in the water because of all the uh, environmental hippies up there? Uh, hell, probably. It's a good, oh, it's man. a healthy mix of uh, hippies and, uh, you know, preppers. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and Chinese, just right. lots of, lots of people right. from China, which is cool. Um, all right. So, uh, shall we play some talking heads for some people, Joe? We should do that. I can't wait. Uh, all right. I'm excited. Ah! 
Under Punches, parenthesis, The Heat Goes On, the first track from the Talking Heads classic album, uh, Remain in Light, from 1980, the year before I was born. Um, Joe, uh, you're the biggest Talking Heads fan I know. Um, uh, what was Thank the experience you. like? For, yeah, you're welcome. Um, I've, been, I've been waiting, saving that one up for you. Uh, you know, on a day when I thought you might need it, you're probably a little tired from the baby. It's true. Pick me up on That's that. That's true. Um, but uh, what was your reaction the first time you heard these mixes of uh, of the Talking Heads classic albums? Well, I um, it was overwhelming how good they were. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I was I was blown away. I mean, it was an absolute. This album, Remade in Light, was just absolute perfection of sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a single instrument that's either that's lost or left alone, but mm-hmm. each is perfectly perceptible amidst the analog forest. And I think as you listen to this this album, uh, this song is a great example. I mean, you could listen to each song 10 times just listening to, you know, following one or two sounds through it. I mean, you could yeah. you, you could definitely like as I listen to them in these amazing versions, mm-hmm. um, which I think speak less to how good. I mean, these are great mixes, but I think the CD mixes that I had in, you know, 1998, 99 mm-hmm. were so bad. Yes. Um, that I think that's really where the, the what caused most of the difference is their poor quality. Um, and so as you listen to sounds, you know, not like none of them are normal or familiar, but they mm-hmm. still seem like they belong and yeah. uh, like ready to kind of be part of a conversation with you. <laughs> um yeah, I, you know, I found um, at, at points like listening to this, I, I just had such a good time. I'm really looking forward to listening to it many more times than the, the few times I have, uh, you know, when you introduce me to these mixes. Um, I, if there was parts that I had, I felt like my ears didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, yeah, I'm looking forward to learning. Absolutely. Yeah. Um so these have been around, uh, at least the Remain in Light one has been around for like 10 years now or something. Um, the down, and yeah, I had, yeah, the down yeah. to stereo, yeah. Yeah, so just to, to be totally clear on what this is to everybody, um, in 2005 or six, uh, all the Talking Heads albums got uh, remastered and re-released um, in both a remastered stereo format 
and a DVD audio 5.1 surround sound format. And uh, the opinion, certainly of the guy who made these down mixes, uh, and uh, I think uh, most reasonable upstanding people, is that the official stereo remixes from that, uh, or mixes from that reissue are garbage um, because they're mm-hmm. just brick-walled to hell like everything that was released around the middle of the last decade. Um, uh, R.I.P. Uh, t- uh, Modest Mouse's uh, last decent album, We Were Dead Before the Ship Already Sank, which you can't really listen to straight through because your ears will bleed uh, because of the uh, brick-walled loudness on it. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's really bad. Um but um R.I.P. So, R. Uh, Zwan's Mary Star of the Sea. Okay. That is that one is actually just incompetently mixed. It's yes. not even the mastering. Um, Dude, Billy, there's a good rant where Billy defends it. It's so bad. This has been our Smashing Pumpkins minute for the podcast. I we, last time we avoided it. We did not have one last time. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, absolutely. There's there's actual clipping on on uh, the Zwan album that is just horrendous. Uh, anyway. Um, the, uh, so this guy, uh, his name is Robin Sherrock, I think is what it was. Uh-huh. Uh, I read his site. Um, he is, uh, one of these, um, audio quality cranks who are weird and wonderful people. My dad is sort of one of them, mm-hmm. you know, who, uh, <laughs> get really insane and, um, and, uh, ideological and, uh, uh, I- emotional about, um, people making bad decisions about audio quality uh, in a way that lots of us get emotional and insane about our particular uh, little pet things. Um, of course. But so, yeah, so he turned that uh, sort of Asperger's-y uh, attention to detail uh, into good for all of humanity when he took the 5.1 mixes from that DVD audio release, uh, which were not so brick-walled. Um, and he uh, basically just... Uh, played them into a mini disc machine he had. I don't know why mini disc had to be involved, but apparently it had the right inputs uh, or whatever to uh, on the fly mix the 5.1 channels down into two stereo channels. Um, and apparently he did no tweaking whatsoever of uh, the mixes as it did so. Um, wow. So, yeah. And they turned out fucking gorgeous um so uh thanks to you i've long been a talking heads fan and when i first put on remain in light which was the first one i listened to uh i i like almost had to sit down it was crazy how different it was um yeah yeah i mean i i i I thought i i was you know i i was you know the first time i listened to it it was night and i was you know just downstairs i was about to i think i was doing something else maybe i was watching mm-hmm. the baby soon after it was born and i was just planning to like sit there and fuck around on the computer and listen to it and i ended up not fucking around on the computer i was just <laughs> listening to the album like you, excellent you couldn't it was yeah uh the the experience was I've never had that experience where I listened to an album and it was that different mm-hmm. because the, uh, the the quality was so much better. I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, people release remasters all the time and it's never like, uh, oh, my mind is blown by this. Right. Um, maybe I haven't heard the right ones. But uh, with this, I mean, um, the it takes 
the sounds, uh, you know, there's a lot going on on Remain in Light in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, just dozens of, of sounds being made at any time. And um, by by uh, unbrickwalling the, the audio levels uh, so that more dynamic range can come through and uh, spacing out the stereo uh, distribution of the sounds a lot more, um, it's amazing how much more you can hear. Like just on the Born Under Punches bit we listened to just now, there's a thing, a sort of like, you know, nonverbal vocal sound that he makes that uh, I'm not, maybe it was there before, but it sounds so different here that, um, uh, and is so much more clear in the mix that uh, I uh, was surprised to hear it when it came in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are other things like in uh, Heaven from Fear of Music, uh, apparently there's a delay on his vocals that I never heard before. Um, you know, just sort of a subtle echo effect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you knew some, right. You knew a lot of these times you, you knew there was some cool quality to the sound. Uh-huh. There was something interesting and now you can actually identify it. Yeah. And it, it's just so much better. It's to have that part revealed because every one of these tiny little choices was definitely intentional. Yeah. Um, you know, just talking about Remain in Light, uh, it was, you know, I mean, a, a full partnership between, uh, you know, the the band and Brian Eno, uh, Fear of Music as well. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, probably Remain in Light. This is, is the most Eno-y of the Talking Heads Yeah. And sure. so, you know, there you know that he uh, and Byrne both... You know, they teamed up to be obsessive compulsive with mm-hmm. uh, even the tiniest of sounds on the album and how they all yeah. fit together. Yeah. And it's insane. I mean, there are parts in uh, uh, in uh, in I think it's in Cross-Eyed and Painless. There's a uh, just sort of a high pitched, repeated uh, sort of lead note that swirls around in the stereo mix a little bit. Yeah. That. um uh, kind of takes over the song for a minute in this mix and uh, was sort of a, 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 an unnoticeable detail before. Uh, the vocals sound much more clear, although I have uh, uh, slight reservations actually slightly about uh, what this mix does to them on Remain in Light particularly. But mm. uh, leaving that aside, the, the lead guitar, I think, is what benefits the most because... Mm. Um, any, any of the sort of foregrounded guitar parts, I feel like are, um, I don't know, just much more clear, less muddy and more arresting as a result. Uh, it's, it's really amazing. Um, yeah. And, and it also reveals that Remain in Light was a just beautifully recorded album, which I never knew, you know, I thought it was another one of these, uh, albums from decades ago before everybody was using great audio equipment all the time for major label things. And, uh. No, it turns out it was just mixed by uh, I don't know a drunken uh, a, a drunk, an actual just drunk. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, we would have to go back. I mean, to hear, I'd have to listen to like you know a mint quality original vinyl copy of this album to see what how that compared. I'm sure it wasn't as good, but the, you know. The- Robin Chirac said that it was there were details he never heard on his vinyl copies. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I believe that. Um uh and you know, I just mirror I mean, I guess, you know, I one of my favorite tracks from this is the 
spoken word, uh, mm-hmm. most seen and unseen, which yeah. I, you know, I just love for the, the, you know, the kind of the rhythm section and the awesome, you know, what counts for David Byrne is a rant about identity. <laughs> um, but here there were these little sweeping sat, like mm-hmm. digital like sounds going on in the background. Um, yep. Uh, that brought like another level of emotion to the song. And <laughs> it it was, I you know, it was like listening to some of the best, I, some of my favorite songs ever. Mm-hmm. It, it, this album now is kind of elevated to that level. Like I, I think it really is. I, I think what I, uh, um, I am going to, you know, kind of spill the beans of the album that I found myself comparing it to not necessarily not like in ambition or exact purpose, but in terms of the way every sound is manipulated to make this beautiful landscape. It was like kid a to me mm-hmm. in that way. The, the, the thought occurred to me as well. Obviously it's very different styles of music, but, uh, uh, I did frequently think of latter Radiohead for just the quality of their recording techniques and how this brings a, an old album up to par with them in a really astounding way. Yeah. I mean, it, this sounds like it could be... In fact, you know, like most indie acts these days of any kind uh, sound way less good than this album uh, in this format. Yes. Um, which is impressive. Um, yeah. So the one the one reservation I had that I was going to mention is... Uh-huh. Um, I feel like with the old mixes, which are inferior in just about every possible way, mm-hmm. um, and have long, even before these were around, been known to be bad, right. um, <laughs> uh, is that, um, uh, there, I feel like the vocals, despite being much clearer this way, much more easy to, to catch little details of them. Um, and they sound, they're well recorded and everything. Um, <coughs> excuse me. They, um, the, uh, on Remain in Light, especially, I didn't notice it so much on some of the other albums. Um, the songs tended a little bit more to sort of like co- coalesce and cohere around the vocal parts, mm. uh, such that they, you know, it was sort of like the, when the vocals came in on, in particular, like, uh, uh, which one was it? Um, Listening Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, the chorus part, like the wind in my heart, uh, I feel like that it becomes just sort of another element co-equal with everything else in the mix. Whereas mm-hmm. before it was sort of like the sun with all the planets orbiting around it. And that, that slightly undermines the coherence of the song for me a little bit. Um, and some of the other ones on the album too, but uh, it's not enough to uh, make me ever want to listen to those other mixes again um, ever. Well, who, who remixed, who did the 5.1 mix? Uh, uh do we know this? It was it was mentioned uh, on the Wikipedia article I looked at, but I I don't know. Uh, so, it was the same person who did the stereo mixes that everybody hates, I believe. Right. I just wonder if they made a conscious choice to change mm. how the the vocals were mixed. Um, well, I mean, you they, know that <laughs> that you know an artistic choice. Yeah. Uh, that you know, it's it's always to me. I'm always surprised at the freedom that those uh the engineers seem to have 
exactly uh, to make some of those or rather how they seem to be responding to someone other than the artist uh (laughs) i guess i shouldn't be surprised but it's um it happens so frequently that yeah yeah, yeah, I don't know anything about the production of these particular mixes. I would hope that David Byrne was consulted on the final result, um, or Talking Heads generally. One hopes. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, you can't... I, obviously, these 5.1 mixes went ba- down, back to the original individual track tracks that went into the final mix, I would assume. I don't know how you could do this otherwise. Right. Um, uh, and um, you can't really make a new mix from that without really exercising a ton of uh, creative power over the final result. There's no way to like be faithful to the original when you're going to something that radical, you know? Um, So uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that was uh, uh, the whole thing was uh, had some input from the artist, but uh, regardless, they did a great job at least based on how these, uh, the stereo down mixes turned out, which, um, yeah, it's ridiculous that they made a terrible stereo down, uh, terrible stereo mix to release along with these. Mm-hmm. Um, when some guy at home just came along and was like, Oh, I could just have my machine sort of do it with no input from me and it will be, uh, infinitely better. So, um, well, weird. I wonder if some of the vocal forward and otherwise, rather muddy mixing on these tracks comes from the nature of the music itself. Um, yeah. People responding to it because, you know, this is uh, pop music mm-hmm. to me. I mean, this, you know, I, I think once in a lifetime is one of the greatest pop songs ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's almost as remain in light to do a little bit of the kid a metaphor is, you know, talking heads transitioning from being a no wave punk band to uh you know becoming a uh this deciding they're going to be a pop band you mm-hmm. know and, and release this this strangest most beautiful pop music people had ever heard um which simplifies things but uh i i just think that sometimes then there's songs on here that you know the the vocal melody and that compelling uh catchiness mm-hmm. um drove some of the previous poor choices it could well be you're 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 very much right because uh yeah it does have that effect of making it a little bit more conventional um whereas uh yeah when i listen to it this way this album it becomes clear to me what a sort of um it's, you know, that is a great pop song, but also that this is, uh, also going back to what you said earlier, um, some people just really obsessively trying to make the most sort of lush and complex and interesting music they could. Um, with the result that, you know, like, uh, the overload ends up being like a really brilliant sort of spacey jam that is a lot more affecting when it's really, really well mixed, mm-hmm. um, as a result of that. Totally. But, um, Yeah. No, it's um, and you know, I was even thinking like at some point during like the Great Curve when I was listening to it the first time, I was just like, "Well, shit, we should put this music on the next uh, Voyager probe we send out into the yes. galaxy." <laughs> yes. Because I don't think we're actually going to do better than this, and uh, you know, uh, there could be music that's as good, but um, in terms of 
technology and uh, composition and spirit. Um, you know, if a if an alien power intercepts uh, art from us of this magnitude, presumably such a civilization will also be uh, aesthetically advanced and interested in culture and output. And uh, if they if they see good enough art from us. Um, I presume that will get us off of the planetary destruction list. Uh, they will become interested in our culture and want to preserve us. No, Paul, we, we've got to use, uh, we've got to send them uh, uh, Pharrell's happy so they know what happy people <laughs> we are. <laughs> that's, that's what a dumb person would do. Um, uh, we, we need to send them our complex work. On I that, think. I think on that note, we should play a song from Fear of Music. <laughs> Let's do that. Remember anyone here? No, you don't remember anything at all. I'm sleeping on this little map. Never woke up, woke up, had no regrets. There's a party. Can't wait uh, from Talking Heads once again from the uh, bootleg 5.1 <laughs> down mix of Fear, yeah. and music, Fear of Music. Yeah, and by the way, uh, I think it is totally morally justifiable, despite the bootleg nature of these mixes, to um, if you own a version of the album, uh, just throw those away and download these. You can get them in Flack or Wave or whatever you want. And uh, uh, because nobody should should ever listen to the other mixes again. And since there's no actual, this is not a, a commercially available product. Uh, they to hear these mixes, you need to buy a 5.1 system, and uh, uh, which you can't even listen to on headphones, even if you have good headphones. Uh, uh, fuck them. You can have this. Yeah, I like to respect the. I respect the musicians' intent intent and um, how they want me to consume my their music to a point. I mean, I I will. Uh, if they give me, if they say, here's my version, here's my track list, you know, here's my final version of the song, I, I will, you know, give that the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but I, I reached my limit with that pretty quickly. I mean, as obviously I give them no respect in how I will interpret their music. Uh, <laughs> I give their intent no respect in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I've just learned so much about my favorite bands from, you know, unauthorized bootlegs uh, as a former, you know, taper mm-hmm. and trader. You know, I certainly learned to love a lot of my favorite bands more from listening to 
just totally illegal, illegally recorded and illegally distributed copies of their live shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, just think of the joy your five year old son will be when you tell him one day all these Smashing Pumpkins CDRs will be yours, son. Yeah, I, they've all already degraded. Uh, oh. They were just the cheapest fucking CDRs. So, you know, they, it's funny how they just sort of like dissolve in their little plastic cases. <laughs> Man, I, I recall you used to be picky, actually, about what brand CDRs people were using. Oh, uh, yeah, those. of course, of course. It's like the <laughs> Maxell Gold. Oh, man. That was, a, that was a fun little bit of history that we got to live through that neither our parents nor our children will, will know anything about the Indeed. CDR area. Indeed. Um, so dispensing of that conversation rather quickly, uh-huh. uh, let's return to Talking Heads... 1979 album three years before i was born uh, Mm. fear of music yeah um so this album you know uh i've always thought of talking heads as weird david byrne is clearly a weird dude in a good way um but i actually forgot or was reminded by these new mixes uh how weird this album is Mm -hmm. um especially like on mind um or even a track that always struck me as one of the popular ones is like cities. Um, he's just really, really going nuts <laughs> during yes. these vocal performances um, in a way that, you know, like we talk, we, you and I frequently talk about new singers uh, sounding like David Byrne, <laughs> uh, you know, like the, the guy from Ott or yeah. the guy from clap your hands, say yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But really, they they tend to sound if anybody sounds like him like later burn when he toned it down a little bit yeah, like, like true, nobody they're like true stories burn yeah nobody sounds like like the weirder parts of of fear of music burn like they I can think of I was trying hard to think of people who sound not like him but as weird as him and uh, uh, I could think of Jamie Stewart from Shushu and that was a, who are you know working now and that was about it um, I mean you could have got... oh go ahead. I was just going to say he was crazy. I was summing up. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I mean, you could have gotten this album, listened, and, you know, been like, okay, he he's, you know, has real issues with, you know, paranoid delusions. Like, this person's going to lose their mind, like Sid, ba- <laughs> like Sid Barrett, you know. The, it's, the, it, this is going that direction. Yeah. Um, this album, it, you know, you probably had this experience frequently because – you spent a lot of time thinking your music tastes were going to uh, send you straight to hell. But, uh-huh. uh, you know, this album really freaked me out as a teenager. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it was like too. Uh, it ever it. Here's what I'd say. It was the only punk record that I ever listened to that had the that I actually felt that transgressive feeling that people ascribe to punk so much Mm. um here i got it i was like whoa this music is making a uh statement that my brain is you know not comfortable with even as (laughs) i I enjoy it (laughs) i can see that especially with like uh animals and electric guitar later on the album yeah um, which are pretty pretty funny anti-social songs (laughs) Yes, totally. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny you mention uh, how how he seems like he might actually be going insane. Um, I take it 
maybe we interpret this slightly differently. I take most of the the Bernian persona um, to be less about how he feels and more him sort of um, uh, consciously trying to distill uh, a a caricature of the American psyche that he sees around him. I don't know. Does that, do you feel that way or not? Yeah. I mean, certainly he is, uh, I guess I would say he's right on the interesting, like right on the edge of one of those artists who's going to sing or write about like brands in particular, like he's going to write about Coca-Cola in an evil way, you know, like really get Mm -hmm. that sort of, you know that pop art postmodernism yeah but at the same time i don't know maybe like he's maybe sometimes he seems to completely reject that he's like running com- completely away from that it, and i don't know maybe that that honestly is a description of uh, a different way of saying the same thing you just said <laughs> maybe yeah you know it's it's interesting because um, it reads frequently as a caricature of, um, of again, the sort of American or at least modern psyche. Um, you know, for instance, with a song like, like Cities, where there's, he's clearly got enough distance to, uh, between what he's saying and his own mind that it's, if it is him, it's a, an aspect of himself that he can uh, recognize as absurd and pull out and sort of dramatize on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like the uh, just <laughs> the chorus of cities is him in a really sort of like crazed, jaunty voice saying, "Like I'm checking them out. I'm checking them out. I got it figured out. I got it figured out. Good points, some bad points, but it all works out. I'm a little freaked out. Find a city. Find myself a city to live in. Um, that is, uh, it's sort of a you know, like David Byrne is clearly too smart for this to be the full." Uh, an actual thing he would say is deep on its surface, you know, if you took it that way. Right. Um, so, uh, but what I really like about the way he caricatures uh, us, um, because I don't think that we now are very different from the society he was observing uh, almost 40 years ago now. Um, but at least in these ways, in these, in these respects. Um, but the way he does caricature uh, the... Um, this this person who lives in America is mm-hmm. uh, as insane and vulnerable um, in a way that is very empathetic. I find, um, yeah, you know his 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 protagonists are definitely crazy, but it's like he's getting at um, the way that their craziness um, hurts them. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, sort of uh, as a result is able to highlight the, the sort of pathos and tragedy of, of being that way. And I was thinking like it, it made me realize like that is my my beef with somebody like Father John Missy, who also is caricaturing America all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much his entire thing. But his caricature of an American is rather than insane and vulnerable, just a stupid asshole. Um, and. Uh, the result is that I don't find nearly, uh, you know, I don't get that same uh, empathy and and understanding of the people around me um, from experiencing yeah. that kind of art as I do from uh, somebody who's just a lot more subtle and nuanced like David Byrne. Um, and you yeah. can compare the lyrics to like pure comedy versus like cities and see what I'm talking about there. Yeah, I mean, I you know, 
to dispense with the Father John Misty part, I mean, I, I think <laughs> that you're, I think both that he is sort of like, he's like a maudlin contemporary chronicler of of various trends that absolutely it's not really like if i had to like compare him to someone uh, you know uh, high art i would go more for like late career roger waters uh mm-hmm. like that i would <laughs> roger waters is also dinged for being unsubtle and uh, yeah exactly uh, <laughs> exactly sometimes. exactly i mean that's sort of that's you know that's you know he's in that zone rather than peak david byrne who is basically sure. unfair to compare literally well, anyone to yeah i mean but at the same time that's why I I, but, I resist the adulation for Father John Missy. I also um, think that because he's not that good. And I also think, and we could get into this. I also think that your interpretation of Father John Misty is what he's doing is just wrong. Like I don't think I don't, <laughs> I think that you are. I just don't think he's calling Americans assholes. I think he's in a deep panic about his his fate. Yeah, that many can relate to. That that part is there for sure. And they're they're yeah. yeah yeah, and maybe you luckily relate to it a lot less. Um, <laughs> but well, like I I agree. There are parts of just a, a little bored in the USA where I definitely see that he is criticizing himself and his ilk as much as anybody else. I right, right. But so I mean. That that's to 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 why David Byrne is better at it than Father John Misty and basically anyone else is that mm-hmm. I think David Byrne is just really actually terrified of these things and and has nothing to do but sing about sure. it. I mean, I think he is in such a state of excitement that he has created one of the the best. <laughs> bands of his era it's like uh it's like a fusion reaction you know uh, he he just uh or fission to pick which yeah. one is a better metaphor um that that this really it comes from genuine uh negative i don't know if negative emotions but just genuine adrenaline pumping emotions um yeah that Neurosis. he feels yeah that he feels about even the smallest things like for instance a piece of paper <laughs> exactly no um i think what's interesting about him is that he does clearly uh seem to feel that neurosis um yeah acutely but he's also an incredibly intelligent and thoughtful person who is able to uh recognize extract and uh mold and play with that neurosis at the same time so totally. he can't escape it but it does also doesn't control him if that makes sense um, and as that's what makes him great. Uh, I think we agree on that. Um, I will say about Father John Misty, <laughs> last point, um, you were right that there are points where he is unsubtly lacerating himself. Uh, but then there are things like read the religion part lyrics from pure comedy. And it's just the most boring seventh grade uh, atheist points against religion that anybody has ever thrown out there and this is like the centerpiece of his big profound song and that's that's what really annoys me about him yes i think he i think he is given uh credit um and again from like the david byrne point of view i mean it's just that's what's amazing about this uh, fear of music is that 
you know, people give him credit for being so perceptive here. And it's not just because he's a rock star. It's because he is actually offering thoughts about things that are as, as like just plain poetry on paper. Absolutely. um, Interesting to read. And their father, John Misty absolutely does not hold up to (laughs) that standard. Um, as I, you know, I guess someone in between, like for me, I know I'm a little bigger fan, but someone like, you know, like Courtney Barnett, yeah, like lamenting, uh, you know, modern life. You know, she has a song "Depressed" in on her new album, which I think is pretty popular about, uh, you know, shopping for a house in the suburbs. And there's it's, it seems a little more genuine. You know, it's kind of it's not yeah. that deep, but at least it's not as you said, so seventh grade. <laughs> um but uh the the david burns song about shopping for a house is uh you know yeah several layers <laughs> deeper yeah no he's he's a genius there's no there's no doubting it and he's aged very well too still you know collaborating with the kids we've we've established that david Byrne is a genius Ah <laughs> uh, man we really break we break so much new ground on this podcast <laughs> podcast like we said like i said with the, about the pitchfork review of the blue album last week it's uh as long as it can deepen somebody's appreciation the uh the the, the dumb summary tldr version being uh obvious is is okay um yes, totally <laughs> um, but yeah should we talk about anything else like any other songs from this album well i have to mention heaven which is one of the most gorgeous songs ever written and recorded, if you ask mm-hmm. me. And I was a little afraid that uh, it wouldn't get as much of a bump from this down mix as the other songs, because it's a little bit more straightforward in, and not loud in its construction. But it does. It's so good. Um, it came on, and uh, I was instantly uh, in love again uh, with the song, which, uh, once again, the lyrics are... Uh, totally amazing um a beautiful distillation of the um just the non-stop uh stress of being an adult human in this day and age mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah and <laughs> even as somebody who i th- who tries to handle it with grace i mean that's all you can do um there's the way he's able to evoke it is uh stunning and touching every time and um it's it's that he combines those words with uh, such a beautiful yearning and yet also sort of down home uh, arrangement that uh, makes it, um, despite being the most straightforward song on this album, also just one of the most beautiful uh, songs ever made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think that uh, that song, of course, it it is in some ways uh, the most. Uh, one of the most accessible versions of mm-hmm. Talking Heads' overall, um, you know, thesis uh, mm-hmm. or statement, um, uh, and and it's impressive that such an accessible version of it uh, is also so affecting because yes, you know, like like even with the band I love, like the Smashing Pumpkins, like generally after you listen to them to the albums the singles are among the least interesting songs on them right um 
whereas uh, uh, David Byrne is able to to do pop without compromising uh, beauty. I should say Talking Heads. It, it is a band. Yeah. But the, they're able to, to do pop without compromising the quality in any way, and that's amazing. Yes, the extent to which the other three members of the band contributed uh, <laughs> is sort of a... And Talking Heads, it's a weirder question than... The, mm. a lot of other bands where it's like more clear cut um but uh they certainly didn't well we won't get into it let's say <laughs> let's just say that when their album uh heads came out no talk just heads minus david byrne uh it was uh white hot trash <laughs> the av club what's a classic av club review oh um, really I, i'm gonna look that up yeah um <laughs> Where they, I mean, it's it's like questioning why the other three chose to reveal themselves <laughs> as David Burns' very talented backing band. <laughs> well, they had that hit with Tom Tom Club, so they did. Um, they did. Um, maybe they that gave them two, that just sort of went to their heads. Uh, and yeah, but you know, this album, I think, um, even though Burn definitely gets the attention for his disposition here um there's a lot of song you know like mind or cities um mm-hmm. what we opened with memories can't wait where there's uh there's this uh paranoid sound that's stripped of distortion and has that jiggling guitar and mm-hmm. um it's all strapped quite dangerously dangerously to a really strong beat uh, yes. at a lot of points the the rhythms are fantastic uh the band definitely is locked in um and uh the yeah, i think the the music here functions uh so well as a backing to um what could be just an album of of you know really good like he he could sing these lyrics over uh very generic rock and it mm-hmm. would have been a very I'm, I'm sure we'd probably still be listening to the album now just for that it would not be the same level but i'm sure that that alone would propel it so um the fact that the music meets that um again brian eno uh, yeah many many thanks to him uh <laughs> for uh shepherding so much good music into this world it um, really is amazing what he's done yeah, with his life yeah and with his um, eyebrows, which are really cool looking. Can but. I can I com- complain for a, a second uh-huh. um, that I actually, as a big Talking Heads fan, um, it's a bit of a, a bit of hearsay, hearsay, hearsay. Oh my God, hearsay! Fuck heresy. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna cut that. Uh, no, no, we're preserving it. We're putting uh, it to our SoundCloud. Go ahead. The album centerpiece is, I think, Life During war Wartime, which mm-hmm. I always found a bit immature. And I think okay. that's it relies a little too much on David Byrne's angst. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it's a bit too showy in that regard. Um, but on the other hand, I thought for right now, the state we're in now in this world, the chorus really resonated um, <laughs> in Trumplandia. You know, yeah. this ain't no party. This ain't no disco. I ain't got time for that now. 
you know, the, the, the darkness is really yeah. settling over us the way it was on, well, the way it seems to constantly be settling on David Byrne. Uh, the sound of gunfire off in the distance. I'm getting used to it now. Yes. Lived in a brownstone, lived in the ghetto. I've lived all over this town. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's actually a good point. I hadn't thought of that, but uh, I always liked that song just because musically it's fun. Um, True. But because um, I don't know about you, do you have this experience? I realized recently, like, I don't actually hear the lyrics to songs usually until like the third or fourth time I listen to them. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, this includes even like rap where the lyrics are kind of the point. Um, <laughs> I mean, apart from isolated lines I might pick up, but I don't know. That would depend. Anyway. That would depend. Are you saying that you, per- you like, per- I don't, I'm not purposefully doing anything, but I don't like notice particular phrases happening and remember them until I've mm. listened to music a bunch. Yeah. I'd be, I'd say it probably depends more on the song, but I feel like I probably, the first time I hear a song will remember it for a moment or two that is kind of a collection of everything going on in that particular moment. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I guess what made me think about it was uh, a song I shared with you. Um, uh, Always the right time by Entrance or mm-hmm. entrance. We're not sure where I, I really love the, the way that song is written. And so I was like, Oh, this is great. I'll share it with Joe. And then I like the third time I listened to it, uh, I was listening to the lyrics in the verse. I was like, these are the most boring love song lyrics anybody has ever written. It's like, <laughs> he rhymes, you know, uh, uh, something about the years and all the tears and so forth. And I'm like, come on, man. You can't yeah. do that in yeah. 2017. <laughs> you have to you have to write something more creative than that. I still like the song, but uh, it, it just was funny to me that I was like, oh, uh, actually, this thing has major problems that totally went by my head the yeah. first time through. Yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, man, kudos to David Byrne for writing about something different, you know, writing about yeah. the little things. Absolutely. Uh, and and to bring it back to the point of why we're even listening to this, um, kudos to uh, to Robin Chirac for giving us versions of the songs where you can really hear his words a lot better. Yeah. Uh, and uh, 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 making these um, albums that you can listen to now and have just a pure aesthetic experience where you can't even fuck around on the computer during it because you are arrested. I, I you know, I had uh, I had a weird experience or I had a, a weird parallel came up in my mind with this um, experience about another illegal remix that I've been listening to um, mm. unauthorized or rather experiencing um, uh, as you may not know, may know, may not know that my favorite kind of my favorite like mainstream television show is The Office. Um, mm-hmm. I probably probably the one that you know I of course I enjoy all this um, golden age TV like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but The Office is something that I just think the writing for a sitcom is um, it's off the charts. It's and the character work is. You know, it's actual theatrical ensemble, blah, 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 blah. We could have a whole mm-hmm. Savage Beast about it, um, in which I would bore you with my thoughts on why it's a standout show. But anyway. I could talk about why you love The Office. That's fine, Joe. There, there we go. go. Um, anyway, there is a website that has taken um, the extended, um, uh, the deleted scenes, uh, which are, I think, you know, you know, at the you know, on the DVD after you watch the episode, you can click over and watch the deleted scenes, 
and the website has uh you know unauthorized versions where the all those deleted scenes are edited into the episode mm. uh, in the places where they make most sense so in essence i'm able to go back and watch um you know a show uh that I often just flip on in the background when I'm doing two other things and like rewatch a completely different version of it mm-hmm. that really that the, that the creators specifically chose for me not to watch. Well, maybe, maybe not. They were of course uh, handcuffed by the 22 minute uh, precision timing format of uh, broadcast TV. Indeed, so. indeed. But there, it's a surprising how many of the the episodes change in character hmm. uh, when these things are added. Anyway, I found I found it interesting that these principles apply not just to music, and I'm sure there's many famous film examples as well. Uh, yeah i mean blade runner is of course the most famous director's cut i think i think in the Uh, music in the music world there's the i never released rolling stones movie cocksucker blues which is uh, i did not know about this yes at all time classic of debauch um (laughs) what is it supposed to be about (laughs) um it's a it's an unreleased documentary um, uh-huh. And it's them on their tour in 1972. I'm reading for it. Um, uh, uh, it's it was originally under a court order which forbade it from being shown unless the director was physically present. Because um, why? The band decided it was embarrassing. The film was embarrassing and potentially incriminating. Uh. Um, so there's backstage parties, drug use rodian groupie antics uh, um and there's in, in one scene has a groupie uh actually injecting heroin um huh, yeah nice once they're all dead that'll be released if there's still if it still exists yeah um, or you know at some point hopefully before we die there'll be there'll be historical it'll be an item of historical interest eventually indeed um anyway uh, it's it's worth exploring these unauthorized. Uh, I'm sure a lot of your favorite artists that have even a history like Talking Heads, there's got to be something out there like this worth tracking down to build yeah. your, your understanding. I mean, as discussed, you kept your, your pumpkins boner up for years with uh, just endless live versions of the songs that you had listened to thousands of times. So Indeed. It definitely can help. And crazy nerds are still re- like releasing unauthorized Smashing Pumpkin songs places for I, I don't even know where they get them. But <laughs> they, they find a few uh, every every couple of years. Well done, crazy nerds of the Internet. Um if you didn't have this to do, uh, I don't know what you would do to our society. So I'm glad we have it. Indeed. <laughs> All right, Joe, uh, any final thoughts on Talking Heads or the nature of remixes? Uh, only that I think we have to come back and say with great emphasis that if you enjoy the Talking Heads, whichever albums of theirs are your favorite, uh, find these down yeah. mixed 5.1 edition. We'll tweet a we'll tweet a link and put it in the episode notes and stuff. Yeah, because, uh, it's it's unbelievable. Put on a pair of good headphones. Get out your good speakers. 
yeah um, and enjoy absolutely it's um if yeah i would agree in almost those exact words if you like them at all you have to listen to these um and you will be floored uh i really like i said just it's so amazing anyway we already said it all um Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we've got a Twitter at Savage Beast Pod and an email, savagebeastpod at gmail.com. And you can find our website, savagebeastpod.com. Um, and also, please rate, review, subscribe, share on iTunes. That helps with everything. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Uh, and in an unprecedented move, we can reveal that our next episode is our... Uh, we'll actually talk oh, about yeah. the next episode uh, in a way that will no doubt jinx it. Uh, <laughs> it is our one-year anniversary coming up, uh, and I think we will we will be reviewing uh, the Smashing Pumpkins adore. Yes, uh, on this episode, it's been too long since we went into a twenty-year-old Smashing Pumpkins album in great length and in depth, and uh, the world needs that. I think our Patreon subscribers only feed should be uh, just endless exclusive Smashing Pumpkins uh, <laughs> episodes. In this in this episode, the boys discuss James's blue away. <laughs> oh man, I would have a lot to say about blue away. I could do I could do twenty minutes on blue away. <laughs> I could not. <laughs> Oh man, I could talk about. Never mind, we're done. All right, good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Versus versus ghosts hovering above them. Cold stuttering skips in the tape, a vision of Laker. Cold cloud field shrouded and secluded upon a winding road. <laughs> Nature and existence are the same thing, basically. Swerve through the curves amazingly. Paint me like a surgical portrait of your soul's wild energy. Wow, that's beautiful. Blessed. Have a nice dream. Peace, Allah, Aztec yoga, Kool Aid, Allah, whoop, whoop, Jarasta, whoop.